Father, we pray that you would be with us. Help us to realize and understand that you're with us. Help us understand your word. Speak to our minds, our hearts, that we would be able to listen and see what you're asking us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Pastor John shared about the widow of Seraphath, the same woman that was about to have her last meal with her son before dying because of the drought. Being saved by God through Elijah, working a miracle, they survive and have food in abundance. After this, her son gets sick and dies again. God blesses her through Elijah again. By raising the child from death to life, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has brought us from death to life. And because of resurrection power, we know the word of the Lord is truth over suffering, truth over sin, and truth over death. So as we just read now, we see when Obadiah asks Elijah if he is really going to show himself before Ahab. Elijah answers, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Elijah will risk his life in order to go before Ahab. And let us not forget that Ahab has been wanting to kill Elijah for more than two and a half years. But Elijah promises Obadiah that he will be there because the Lord who lives is with him. So our main point is because our God is with us, we can obey. From our passage today, we read about four characters who help us visualize what obedience or disobedience looks alike. Looks like. So we'll compare these four characters, notating their qualification or disqualification in obeying God's word. So number one, starting with Jezebel. She is the wife of King Ahab. She is the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And as it clear, is clear in her father's very name, Ethbaal, she is to a Baal worshiper. As we read in verse 4, Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord. Obadiah hit 100 of God's prophets. Can you imagine how many others she had already killed? Jezebel is trying to annihilate not only the leadership of the Lord's worship, but to eradicate, eradicate God's worship completely, as well as his true followers. Jezebel knows God's power. She has seen the consequences of their idolatry, which resulted in a very long drought. But instead of repenting from her idolatry and coming to know who is this God, she continues in her blindness and stubbornness to hold to her Baal worship. She keeps betting on the losing teams. So, Jezebel, you're disqualified in obeying God's word. Number three, we have another great contestant, King, King Ahab. He did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. That's what it's uh, written in 1 Kings 16.30. He married 
an idolater woman, Jezebel, who has been slaying the prophets of the Lord, and he has done more he has done nothing to stop her. He built a temp temple and an altar to Baal, and he worshipped him as well as Asherah. In verses, verse 33, it says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. As we read, Ahab calls Obadiah, who is his servant, to go look for spring water of grass, of, of water or grass and save the people? No. To save the horses and mules. Look what it, it's it says in verse 2. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab is very worried about his horses and mules. The guy is so selfish and full of himself. If there had been a drop of mercy, he might have thought of the people suffering and may have repented from his unfaithfulness to the Lord and come back to him in humility. But Ahab would have none of it. We see his arrogance in verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Ahab is not saying, look what God has done to us, but instead saying, look what you have to done to us, Elijah, bringing this drought and famine. You deserve to die. If I kill you, it might please my sky god, Baal, and give us some rain. Here we have a man who knows what God is asking from him. Anyone from Israel would know the Ten Commandments, especially the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. Ahab is blind and stubborn as his wife and refuses to repent. So, so Ahab gets fully and totally disqualified for not obeying God's word. But going 100%, and not only that, but going 100% against God's word. So, sorry, Ahab. Looking at these two cases of idolatry, we, might, we may tend to think how ancient to bow to wooden or metal idols. I mean, that's not today, right? Perhaps it is helpful for us to ask, how do we see idolatry today? What is idolatry? Even if we look at the Encyclopedia Britannica, it gives us a decent definition. It says, idolatry is the worship of someone or something other than God, as though it were God. The first of the biblical Ten Commandments prohibits idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. A person becomes guilty of more subtle idolatry, however, when although overt acts of adoration are avoided, he attaches to a creature or thing the confidence, loyalty, and devotion that properly belong only to the Creator. That was in the Encyclopedia uh, Britannica. So. Pretty good. What or who are we devoted to? There are many good things that are important and deserve our attention, like friends, spouses, children, family, pets, image, work, education, recreation, leisure, sports, entertainment, food, etc. But when we switch our love and our care into attachment, confidence, loyalty, and devotion to someone or something more than God, that is when idolatry takes place. 
If we aren't careful, good things will start to, be, to become what satisfy our hearts, leading us away from God and not doing his will. As John Calvin eloquently put it, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. The human heart is a perpetual idol factory. Do you periodically do a heart check for idolatries that are sneaking in? Do you talk about them with your kids? It is so easy to be pulled into things without realizing what's happening. Just one simple example is that in our house, we try to keep, keep tabs on electronics and media. We have seen how our children can be easily influenced in their moods and attitudes, depending on the amounts of time and exposure they have had. This has become even more clear recently as Sebastian, our four-year-old, has started playing simple video games. Okay, hopefully I can erase this uh, video. So when he turns 15, won't be hating me. But if he can't figure it out, he becomes angry and frustrated. And when it's time to turn off the device, he will begin, begin to scream and throw a fit. I give this example not to put Sebastian out there, but isn't true that we all have a tendency to throw a fit? When we feel like we're losing control of something, maybe it's money or relationships or time, work, projects, technology, even health, or when things aren't going the way you expected, who or what do you turn to first? For homework, next time you catch yourself throwing a fit or running to some comfort, push yourself to seek calm and comfort in the Lord. Just as idolatry led Jezebel and Ahab far away from obeying the Lord, in the reverse, we can see how knowing the true God can lead to obedience. Now, we bring Obadiah on the scene. His name means servants, servant of Yahweh. Obadiah is the chief of the household of King Ahab, but we see immediately that he feared the Lord greatly. When Jezebel started persecuting the prophets of the Lord to kill them, Obadiah took a hundred of them and hid them in caves and fed them. When they divide up to look for grass and water to feed the mules and horses of his master, Obadiah meets Elijah. As Obadiah fears God greatly, he respects and submits to the prophet of the Lord by falling on his face and saying, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? Elijah answers, It is I. Go, tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. Obadiah is afraid, afraid that when he goes and tells Ahab about Elijah, that Elijah might disappear, leaving an angry lion to devour Obadiah. Elijah promises to be there, and Obadiah trusts and obeys. So in summary, Obadiah, yes, perfectly qualifies in obeying God's word. So we have two failing, one up. Looking at Obadiah's case, how is he able to obey the word of the Lord coming from Elijah? 
He knows he is not only risking his position as the chief of the household of King Ahab, but he would be risking his life as he mentioned to Elijah. If he is investigated also, he could, he could be easily killed for saving the lives of those hundred prophets of the Lord. So why is Obadiah then risking so much? How can he do that? In verse 12, he gives some insight of, of it, saying to Elijah, I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. From my youth. As many of us, the, the word fear here is not, as many of us know, the word of fear, the word fear here is not referring to be afraid of, but the translation is to reverence, honor, respect. So what he's saying is that he has learned to have reverence and honor for God from his youth. This, I believe, is a, a vital part of Obadiah's life. He has known God from his youth. He has learned who God is and has a relationship with him. That is why he can risk his life, not only in this new task of telling Ahab that Elijah sends for him, but even to risk his life to hide the hundred prophets of the Lord. Parents, how are we guiding our children to get to know the Lord? Are we teaching them the word of God? Are we challenging them to learn more about who he is? Are we teaching by example? Later today may be a great opportunity to discuss with your children how their hearts can be fully satisfied in God. Perhaps talk about what are some potential idols, idols for them. And for you as parents, this would be a great opportunity for you to talk about how God has freed you from your own idols and how the Lord is growing you in love for him. If you don't have children, if you're single, ask the Lord to reveal in your heart. What are the things that I'm more attracted to? And am I really having a close relationship with the Lord? Am I growing? Am I seeking his word? Am I praying? Do I want to have a close relationship with him? These conversations need to be and, and also this thinking through need to be had over and over again. It is never a once and done prospect as the world will continually try to grab, the world will continually try to grab our attention. And our last, but definitely not least, contestant of all is Elijah. He's teaching Obadiah to obey God's word by example. If you remember the name Elijah means Yahweh is, we, Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. And what God has called Elijah to do, there is no doubt that Elijah is constantly obeying his God. Previously, we have seen that Elijah is bound to the word of the Lord. At the beginning of this series, the Lord says to Elijah, go and confront Ahab. And he goes and does it. Then he says, go and flee, and I'll provide for you. And he flees, and the Lord provides. Then the Lord said, go and take refuge with a widow. And he goes and takes refuge. 
And now, yet again, the Lord says, return and confront Ahab. Elijah has been faithfully obeying God's word, and similar to Obadiah, he's often, often risking his life. This time, Elijah promises Obadiah that he will be there to meet Ahab. The way he's promising uh, that he will be there is by using a loaded name of the Lord. He says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. The Lord of hosts, meaning the almighty, powerful Lord of the armies, Lord of the sun, moon, and stars, the Lord of the armies of angels ready for the battle. This is the Lord of hosts who lives. Yes, he's a living God, not like Baals or Asherah that are deaf and non-responsive. My God lives and even brings back to life those who were dead, being the case of the widow's child that we saw in the previous chapter last week. Before whom I stand. I am not alone and have not been alone. Elijah, Yahweh is my God. He is with me. And I can do anything he asks from me because he is with me. I can even confront the meanest guy in the whole earth, even risking my life because the mighty God, the mighty Lord is my God and he is with me. It is like a big mean boy who is bullying everyone around and comes to you to push you or bully you. But your friend who is much bigger and stronger comes to protect you from this bully. Wouldn't you feel good about it? Wouldn't you feel at ease? My friend is with me. He has my back. So I'm okay. Even brave to confront the bully so he would stop taking advantage of others. I mean, it's a very silly example, but gives, gives, gives us the idea, right? No comparison. <laughs> no, sorry. But it gives us the idea that he is with us and he gives us the confidence to do or act as he pleases, as he wants us to do. Elijah knows who is with him. He knows that the Lord is all-powerful powerful, and has control over everything. So Elijah can do whatever God asks. When he meets Ahab, Ahab calls him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah says, I have not troubled Israel, but you, Ahab, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Elijah confronts Ahab and calls him to repent. Elijah is saying, it's not me who has caused this famine and drought. It is the Lord God Almighty who lives and is worthy of our praise. And he has done it so you cannot only see his power and control over everything, but for you to turn away from your idols and worship him by obeying his commandments. He is worthy of our worship and obedience Ahab yet again does not listen and wants to continue challenging the Lord of hosts. So Elijah will prove him wrong. But that is to be continued next week. For now, we get a little taste of Elijah's character and obedience. He seems not to have any problem obeying the Lord. 
And that is because he knows him well. He knows the Lord's power and control over everything. He testifies and he is with him. God is with him. No matter what. And that he has proven over and over again to be faithful and loving to those who obey him. Being faithful to those who obeyed him. Brothers and sisters. Dear friends, even Elijah in his obedience was a sinner and had a nature like ours. That is what it says in James 5.17. Well, even, we'll even see later on, on that he wants to give up and die. I mean, if you know Elijah's story, he wants to die, he wants to give up. We may ask, so if this powerful prophet of God could not have it all together, what about me? I have not obeyed God, even in the two commandments he gave us, to love our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Less the whole commandments. Friends, we're totally fried. But let me remind you that there was a better Elijah Humbling himself, being Emmanuel, God is with us, who was able to obey the commandments of the Lord perfectly. Who never sinned, even being taken to the cross for something he never did. And because of that, he rose and lives again. His name is Jesus. Yahweh saves. Ahab, Ahab though, that killing Ahab thought that killing Elijah would solve the problem, but he was totally wrong. Neither Elijah nor God were the problem. Ahab's heart was the problem, and sadly, he never repented. Killing Jesus actually solved the problem. So he could pay for the sins of those who repent and believe in him. He has died for our sins so we can live. We just need to trust in him on what he has done for us on the cross. Believe and receive his forgiveness. And as a result of his sacrificial love, he came to be with us and now living his Holy Spirit with us. We can trust him, worshiping him by obeying his commandments for his glory. If you have put your trust in Christ, but find yourself lacking in love for him, love for his word, Love in spending time with him. He may be revealing areas that he wants to free you from. Things that hold your attention. Things that you look to first for satisfaction. Ask the Holy Spirit to do a new work in your heart. To free you from the things that you prefer over him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then later on it says, and all these things shall be added unto you. As a friend once mentioned, God has never asked me to give up anything that wasn't already detrimental to me. God calls us to a greater love, a deeper love, a more satisfying love that is far above anything else this world can offer. This is Christ's love. And out of an overflow of that love, you will be free to obey with joy because he is with you 
and never will forsake you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these examples that uh, help us see how we can disobey you by idolatry and how we can obey you by worshiping you, enjoying a close relationship with you, Father. Help us obey not out of fear or, or uh, just a lack of knowledge of you, but rather knowing you better, knowing your love through Christ our Savior and Lord, and help us obey and please you out of joy. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.